0: Welcome and thanks for listening to the Sermon Podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. The story of Easter is full of mystery and wonder. Jesus, buried since Friday, is no longer in the tomb. People were baffled. He had defeated death and came back. He's alive, and his followers were there to witness it. On this Easter Sunday, First Pres Senior Pastor Dan Chun tells his story in this sermon called, A Witness Statement.
1: You know, whenever there is an important event, one wants a witness to come forward and give a firsthand account of what happened. There may be other witnesses, their stories might be different, but one looks for corroboration, one looks for authenticity, one looks for plausible truth. This Easter sermon, I thought I would give you my witness statement, a personal account of how I came to follow Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and how it all ultimately ends up in the Easter story, and how it was the best decision in my life to follow him. Your journey might be entirely different, but I speak from the heart on why this holiest of holy days makes sense to me. And whether you're a Christian or not, how today could be a radical turning point So this is my witness statement. I was not raised in a Christian home, didn't go to church. But I do recall that my mom, who had a faint faith background, brewed in a small New York City Chinatown church, would tell me now and then that when I have fears, that just pray to God. Her dad, my grandfather, who came here from China via Ellis Island, became a devout Christian, so much so that people would mock him and call him Jesus. Against tremendous odds from a foreign country, he became a follower of Christ. I never met him. He learned English, reportedly, from a man named John D. Rockefeller, Jr., who regularly volunteered to teach the young immigrants this country's primary language. When I was 13 years of age, here in Honolulu, where I was born, some friends invited me to their church. It was nice and pretty inside. I liked the stained glass and the aesthetics and architecture of the sanctuary, but it was really hot and really boring, which is a bad combination. But then I thought, I guess that is how church is supposed to be. Not fun, hot, and boring. One day, My friend's parents said to my parents that they were going to baptize their kids and asked, do you want to have your kid baptized? And my parents said, sure, why not? So I got baptized. Now I had to go to church even more for hot and boring days. And that was my reward? In high school, I would say it was a non-spectacular experience. Several of my schoolmates who went with me to school actually go to our church today One of my worst experiences in high school was when I was part of the varsity basketball team. Yes, me, I made it on the team. The center, forward, and guard positions were all taken by these tall guys, so I was one of the managers. Still part of the team, kind of like today. I help the real stars, the members score the points. I'm just on the sidelines as a manager trying to equip them. Well, one night during the state championship game at the Blaisdell Center, which back then was called the Honolulu International Center, as our team played against the Kalani Falcons, a crazy thing happened. During the game, the basketball bounced towards me as I sat at the si- on the sidelines in a folding chair. A Kalani basketball player, who I think was named Doug King, jumped for the ball parallel to the ground and his size 12 foot sneaker crashed into my forehead sending me careening backwards it was like slow motion as i saw the foot and then the ceiling and then the lights and then the stands behind me and then my head boom hit the hard floor i was dazed i thought i was paralyzed And then I realized the folding chair had snapped shut on me. That's why I couldn't move. And as 6,000 people in this arena were laughing at me, I thought, oh my goodness, this is a super embarrassing moment. I quickly extracted myself. I was told later that some radio announcer named Ted Sachs was laughing at me on the radio saying that some guy got his butt stuck in a folding chair. It was a bad and for my okole, I actually have a picture of me trying to get out of the chair. Do you want to see it? Can you believe someone actually took a picture of me from the stands during my moment of humiliation? Nah, too embarrassing. Actually, I couldn't find it, seriously. That's pretty much my life in high school. Not a nerd, but maybe close to it. It was good to have friends, but from an early age, I was subconsciously aware that life is fragile and friends can come and go. I learned to grieve early. When in elementary school, a good friend from Texas was killed when he fell off a horse. Later, two of my best high school friends died with respiratory diseases. And much later, a great friend in college and in Menlo Park died of cancer. Maybe that is why today I never take friendships for granted and try to make the best of them. And now I'm a pastor. So when so many more of my friends die and I have to do their funerals, but God prepared me for prolonged grief. It would be nice to have a friend who would always be around, but I did hear of such a friend. It was through my sister, Wendy, who encouraged me to have a friendship with Jesus. She was in college in Oakland and I was a sophomore in Honolulu in high school and she wrote to me about Jesus, talked to me about him, shared this booklet with me called The Four Spiritual Laws that told me that God loves me and has a wonderful plan for my life. And if I would just take the ego off the throat of my life, things would be in more order. It was our ego that led us into sin, things contrary to how God wanted things. But God would forgive our sins if we completely turn our lives over to him. This is the basic premise of Christianity. We could have a friendship, a personal relationship with God himself through Jesus. He would be the friend that would never leave me. He would always stand by me. I ponder this for a while, and eventually one day I said a prayer to Jesus. It was not the best prayer, it was not the longest prayer, it was not the most profound prayer. I just said basically one line. If you are who you say you are, then please come into my life. That was it. Notice my doubting stance. If you are who you say you are, I'm not even sure, but if you are who you say you are, then please come into my life." I came to the conclusion that accepting Jesus into my life, accepting the fact that he chose me to be with him as he chooses all people, even though oftentimes we know like listen, but on that day, January 5, 1967, I decided it was the right thing to do. It was the right thing to do, since if he is really God, then he deserves my allegiance. When I said that prayer, I felt an extreme feeling of peace and tranquility, no fireworks or earthquake, just peace. For some people, it can be really emotional to make that decision. For me, it was a sense of calm and peace. I then went to another church that seemed to be more exciting about their faith, and lo and behold, they told me that for me to join their church, I had to get baptized again, because the first one didn't count, because I was sprinkled and not fully immersed in water, and I really didn't know Jesus back then, they said. So, now today I would disagree with that theology, because the first baptism does count, because it is God who chooses us, not so much that we choose Him. But back then, I was confused, so I got baptized again beneath a waterfall in Nuuano. Now, why I was wearing a dress shirt before getting dunked, I don't know. So, my first part of my witness is that if our hearts are right, and even if there is some doubt, we can begin a journey with God by just saying, if you are who you say you are, then come into my life. That's more than adequate. The bar is low to enter, but the benefits are high if you really are serious and commit. After high school, I went to college to study communications, and soon after graduation, I got married and worked for KGB TV News as a, a reporter. And much later as substitute anchorman. After three years there, I felt I wanted to go into the ministry. Apparently, it was news for the local newspaper. So off to Fuller Seminary, uh, I went, and my church, a different one from the first two, brought me up front of the sanctuary, prayed for me and my wife, and off we went to Pasadena, California, full of blessings and affirmation, but, Two weeks after we arrived there, I had the shock of my life. My wife said, I don't love you, and I never did. She left me two weeks later for her home in Arizona. So what I thought would be great years turned out to be wilderness years. Have you ever felt that kind of a shock in your life, a huge unexpected boom hit in the face? Many of you know that feeling you know you finally retire and you think this will be great and then your loved one dies or you think it's the perfect job and then it doesn't work out or you invested in a company or a stock and it then all goes downhill or you were so happy with the news of a pregnancy and then something goes wrong you feel healthy but then you get a medical test life is a roller coaster isn't it? I was so happy and then Incredibly sad. So, my witness is this. Dying grace to dying people. Now what does that mean? It's a phrase I learned from my friend Ada Lum, who said it to me, and when you are really dying or in pain, God can give you a supernatural grace and comfort and strength that matches the dying pain you are feeling. So it's this great wonderful dying grace that comes when you're dying to dying people. It's a special supernatural grace that matches and exceeds the pain in your life. Though you may be sifted like wheat, Jesus says he will stand with you and help you. So seminary years were horrible. Lonely, depressed, feelings of insecurity low self-esteem. The day after I received the divorce papers, I had a New Testament final exam, and I got an F for that exam. And it was 50% of my grade. I was a mess. I didn't know many people. But I remember praying to God about this. I said, hey, if your Bible is true, it has to be true for someone like me. It has to be true for someone who's going through a great deal of pain and suffering. It has to be real. I wanna feel your grace, meaning love, even though I don't maybe deserve it. Well, the feelings of grace did not come quickly, but acts of grace did. People were very supportive. People invited me over for dinner. Professors were nice. We formed lifelong friendships. My mom tried to give me a crash course in cooking easy dishes, like clam sauce spaghetti, the cooking for dummies way. Being one can of a cream of mushrooms, a can of chopped clams, some garlic and butter, and parsley flakes, add pasta, and bam! I'm the Chinese Gordon Ramsay. There were a few in seminary who felt that in the recipe of what it makes to be a good pastor, that I should never become a pastor because I was flawed in faith. I was divorced. Wrong ingredients. They told me there will be people who would not trust me, even with their children. Then it makes sense to me, I mean, I was not a felon. I went through a divorce that I didn't want and I have the commitment to stay in a marriage when it was tough, but I discovered that marriages are as strong as the one with a weaker commitment and with no-fault divorce, if one wants to leave, one leaves. Those negative thoughts that friends were saying that I was not worthy to be a pastor back then haunted me enough to think I should consider a different profession. So I went to the University of Southern California Film School to become the next George Lucas. I studied under the same professors as Lucas. George Lucas's new film, a weird science fiction film, was just coming out then. It was called Star Wars. Strange name, like stars fighting each other. And a guy named Steven Spielberg would drop by our class and talk about his new movie he was making, which had the most unusual name called Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Long, clumsy title, that will never make it in marketing. Turned out to be one of the most successful films of all time. But somehow in my last year, some friend, Steven, Kathy Kawamura, said to me, you know you should be a pastor. And I said, look, I didn't blow two years at USC film school and $10,000 for a master's degree for nothing. <laughs> for two years, what a steal today. But somehow, my heart changed. And four months later, I applied to be an assistant pastor at First Pres, and they took a chance on this green kid who never worked as a pastor before, and who was divorced, and maybe still not recovered from a divorce after five years. My witness, witness statement is this. When you devote your life to Christ, he pulls you into a better path, time and time again. God may seem slow, but he's never late. And if you're close to him, life is an adventure, time and time again. I love being at First Pres, and while at First Pres, I met Pam, my wife, who was going to a Catholic church at the time, church elders set me up on a blind date. Who needs eHarmony when I have Church Harmony. Five years later, a church in Menlo Park, California, asked me to start a singles ministry for those never married, widowed, and divorced, right up my alley. And by God's grace, the ministry took off, and in about three years, we had 3,000 singles attending our events. It was there that I learned much of my management technique, learning from some of the best and brightest in Silicon Valley. But then, my dad died. Unexpectedly, I loved my dad. His death really rocked me. I could not believe how a death of a father could be so visceral, so deep, so painful. It was horrible. I cried the entire flight from California to Honolulu. And Pam and the kids had to sit in in scattered seats since we took the first flight we could and that was the best we could get for seats. But God showed his dying grace to dying people to me and that the seat next to me was broken and taped up so no one sat next to me and I could be isolated in my grief crying. Though a kind lady two seats away just kept giving me Kleenex now and then. Not saying anything, just like, you need this. You need this. What an angel. God was with me. My mom was the type who could not really take care of herself, so I made a major decision. I left a thriving ministry and decided to leave the pastorate and come home to Hawaii. Pam and I had two kids by then, Noel and Dylan, and the third Quinn would come later in Hawaii. Pam and I decided to start Hawaiian Islands Ministry, known as HIM, and work for that full time. We would try to train and equip the church leaders in Hawaii and beyond. And we never dreamed that today it would mark 38 years and we would now have trained more than 75,000 people. After two years of leading HIM, First Pres asked me to be its senior pastor. And they had somehow, well, they had asked someone else. And he turned them down. So they turned to me. Second choice, by God's grace, Our church started to grow really fast and while attendance dropped as low as 175 people in one service, it began to grow rapidly and today there are thousands attending in some form and I hope we can open up in person soon, maybe by the end of this month. But quarantine, uh, or rather I should say, funny how I said quarantine, I'm getting COVID on my mind, but quantitative growth is one thing, qualitative growth is another. In 2001 was the horrible 9-11 terrorist attack on our country. But something also happened that year. I learned that as a follower of Jesus Christ, that the role of the Holy Spirit was even larger than I had imagined. The Holy Spirit is often the anonymous one of the Trinity, you know, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Like, who's the third guy? I discovered that if you pray for people that the Holy Spirit might heal a person right then before your eyes, spiritually, emotionally, or physically. It doesn't happen all the time, as God decides, but it could happen a lot. So my witness is, God really does miracles today. And he does do miracles every day, and sometimes you see them. He does it to point us to wanting a relationship with him. And I know there are people watching who prayed for a loved one not to die, but they did. And I can't explain why they did. I have to trust that God is in control and we're not dealing with some form of ATM where if you say the right words that the right result comes the way you want it. We're dealing with a supreme being who is intelligent, but more important, he is all loving and wise. He's sovereign. And we won't fully know why a loved one was taken until we get to heaven and can talk more to God and hopefully see our loved ones again. But I also know, and this is part of my witness, that God does heal and He heals today. And I have seen healings of people's knees or fevers or feeling of stress, migraines, deafness, despair, and disease, and yes, some coming out of comas. Not all healing is forever, everyone has to die in the end. My mom was healed of lung cancer for a season, but she still died two years later. But her temporary healing was still a sign from God of his goodness and his desire to bring people to him. So far, I've told you of my witness of coming to first know Jesus, my witness of how he he can help in the midst of suffering, and my witness that he can really heal if we ask him. Here's another witness statement. God can do the impossible. When we needed to move our church from Makiki to have more parking, God led us in a dream that somebody had to, one, um, to come to purchase the Ko'olau Golf Club. The price tag was like millions of dollars and at that time we only had $200,000 in our capital savings account. And by God's grace, we bought the 246 acre property in 2006. And 10 years later, we paid it off. And it was a miracle in so many ways that even the United States Supreme Court got involved. God is real. And we felt we had our own Moses and the Red Sea experience where God made a way when there seemed to be no other way. And now with the golf club gone, we can see it was part of God's plan that our new ministry called Hakuhia, meaning God's delight and desire, that we will use this property to serve the community and tell them about God's love. The property will be a witness to him. And you see, my witness is that my long life, my long ministry shows time and time again real evidence that God is real and he can perform miracles and he can remove barriers and obstacles if we must trust him. And if the obstacles can't be removed, He gives us patience and strength to endure the disappointment, pain, and grief. It's not a life without pain, but it's having God with us in the trough of life to either pull us out of it and free us from our burden or strengthen our backs if we have to bear the burden. We can decide to put our trust in the stock market or a political figure or a celebrity or some ideology or in your riches or abilities, but it won't be as enduring or satisfying or practical as believing and following Jesus. And here's where we come to my witness, the reality of Easter. It is Easter where the faith all hinges. If for some cosmic reason that Jesus died on a cross to remove our sin, so that we could go to heaven and be in God's presence, if God did, choo- could, did choose to come to earth as Jesus to tell us and model for us how we should live, if everything we would ever want in a Messiah of integrity is exactly how Jesus lived and who he is, if in devotion to Christ it means we can experience his grace and strength in moments of pain and, and sorrow, if he was really, really resurrected and then came back from the dead, then all bets should be off on any other person or philosophy. He rose from the dead. He's real. He is risen. He is risen indeed. No one has ever been tortured and beaten, whipped, crucified for six hours, left for dead in a tomb, sealed with a stone, and soldiers around it could ever have survived that. But if Jesus was really resurrected, then that indeed makes him God. That indeed means he is the Messiah humankind has been waiting for. That indeed means death, has lost its sting, for he is the one who has, con- who, has, who has conquered death. In Star Wars, there's that one line given by Princess Leia to a wise, powerful Jedi. She says, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. In real life, it should be, help me, Jesus Christ. You're my only hope. If he is risen from the dead, it means Jesus is really God. And now I finally have hope in the face of so much despair in this world. And if you are at all wondering if that's a possibility, then why not be inquisitive and be like a detective and find out? Don't be lazy. Be like an explorer and and find the meaning and true treasures of life. Why not? It would be silly not to. And besides, look at this imperfect world. If you want to make this world better, Jesus can give you the power and wisdom and endurance to fight. You can fight injustice and make this place a lot more better. And if you don't believe my living witness testimony, then find others who will tell you the reality of Christ. Their story might be more compelling. Do the research but my story over the decades can be found trustworthy. My 55 year track record of following Jesus, my my witness statement is this, Jesus always redeems our lives and makes it far better than we could ever have imagined. A few years ago, I returned to Fuller Seminary in Pasadena and through a chance dinner, I found out that one of the current students at the dinner was living in my old apartment she asked if I would like to see it. I said, no. My wife Pam said, and she was with me, said, yeah, let's see it. So we went and, and when we walked in, I was surprised that I was suddenly jolted with this huge wave of sadness. All of the despair of those five years as a student living there decades ago came rushing back to me like a wave of grief. But then, like all waves, it receded. And then I had this wave of grace, suddenly, softly, surrounding and soaking me. In grace, I realized I was standing next to my wife, with whom I'll be celebrating in December, our 40th anniversary this year. And we have three great kids who follow Jesus. Me, the guy who lamented through the ruins of a divorce and thought he would never get married, would be married for 40 years. Me, the guy who was told in seminary that he shouldn't be a pastor, is today a pastor of a great, healthy, flourishing church. And he was a second choice to be the pastor. The guy who shouldn't be a pastor has through Hawaiian Islands Ministries trained more than 75,000 pastors and church leaders and the guy who got an F in Fuller Seminary, I'm now on the board of trustees of that seminary. And when decades later, I I met the professor who gave me the F and I told him the reason I got that F was because I got my divorce papers the night before. He pulled out a piece of paper and wrote that he now changes that grade to an A and he signed it. I got an A, that's grace, that's redemption. Today, I say, this is my witness, my witness of God's grace and love, if any one of us dedicate our lives to him. Friends, to be honest, this has been one hell of a year. Pandemic, tough elections, capital breach, loss of jobs, escalating racial tensions and wildfires. We were stuck in the mire with a lack of freedom to move about as we want a famous boxer once said after being punched so many so many times so hard in the ring he said no mask no mask today we say in the ring no mask no mask life is really hard we want to return to normal it's the worst of times but it can be the best of times if we take the time Take the time to think what or who will help me when times are really tough. Who is really worth following? What is my purpose in life? Who is really to whom devoting a life is worth? Who was really resurrected and is risen? What is the true reason for Easter? The point of my sharing with you the stories of my life, my witness statement, it's to show you that over the decades of ups and downs that I've experienced, the saving power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Easter story is not just a story we were told as, as children. No, it happened for real. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ will continue to affect our lives today and the generations to come. The stakes in life are so hard right now. We can run from God or press in and go for it and take the leap of faith and jump into the lap of God. And maybe a prayer, like I said, might be helpful for you. If you are who you say you are, then come into my life. Lead me, help me, guide me, and I will serve you And if you might be ready for that, hey, what do you think? Why don't don't we pray together right now? Please join me. Lord, thank you for this time that we could have together. And I know many people come from many different roads and avenues And there might be some here who say, okay, Dan, life is super hard. I've gone through so much pain, similar to yours, but maybe a lot worse. And I do need help. And maybe it's a time for some to say, I'd like to say that prayer and ask Christ to come into my life and I'm going to give it a shot. I want to follow him. And if that's where some people are now, just say this short prayer with me in the silence of your heart. Jesus, if you are who you say you are, then come into my life, and thank you for forgiving my sins. And some, Lord, who might want to recommit their lives, if they could just say, Lord, I've been moved by your spirit, I want to commit my life to you, recommit it today, and lean in. Lord, for all these people, they are praying with open and earnest and honest hearts. I pray a blessing on them, Holy Spirit come upon them, enter into them, seal that decision, and give them the courage to proceed to investigate more and to have greater faith in you. So thank you, Lord. In Christ's name, amen. You know, some of you who have made that prayer, whether a first time prayer commitment or a recommitment, you'll notice there's a prayer button that is appearing right now. And I would just ask if you you made that commitment, that button says you made a commitment to Christ, just hit that button and there'll be somebody there to, to be with you. There's also a prayer button if you wanna hit that and someone would love to pray with you. And in all cases, it will be confidential. And sometimes it's just good to have someone come alongside you when you make these important decisions. It's kind of putting a stake in the ground. And it just makes it more real when you confirm that with somebody else. So take advantage of that. Hit those buttons, and somebody will come uh, come, um, alongside of you. And for all of you thank you so much for joining us one last thing we love being with you if you want to go into what we call uh, connect groups or like discussion groups right after this service you'll see a button on your screen and if you hit that right after my final uh, blessing you can go into a group with other people there that will have a a wonderful uh, leader there to help moderate the discussion and if you just want to go deeper into some of the things that were shared, or maybe you have questions about the faith, um, it would be great if you could join us and we can fellowship a bit more. For right now, I have a final blessing on this Easter. So please receive this. May the Lord be with you, may his grace be upon you and its countenance be upon you. And may you know deep in your heart, the wonderful love of God the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit And may this Easter be one of the best Easter's in your life in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you all. A hui ho, And maybe we'll see
0: you next week. From childhood to a kick in the face, to divorce, to seminary, to remarriage, to senior pastor, HIM, the miracle of Ko'olau. Pastor Dan's story is one that is full of grace. It's when we look back on our lives that we see God's grace through it all. You are the witness to God's grace in your own life. If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Pres website, fpchawaii.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Normally, we gather on Sundays at our Ko'olau campus or at The Vine in Kaka'ako, but for now, you can find the entire church service streamed online on the church websites, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. For our virtual church service, click the online church box at our regular church service times, Sunday morning at 8, 9.30, and 11.11 for First Prez, and Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m. for The Vine. Be sure to check your email for links to sermons church news and updates daily devotionals and for plans on the reopening to in-person worship if you have any questions or needs you can always reach the church through the website or just call 808-532-1111 for pastor dan chun and the entire staff at first president i'm michael Shishido. until next time happy easter god bless you stay safe And thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2021 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.